This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the third Sunday of July. It's July 20th, 2014. And we're on at 6 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And we're live from our New York offices. And we're going to be discussing Comcast, Netflix, AT&T, and Verizon, the battlegrounds of net neutrality. And our guest is Michael Bremer. And hold on to your hats, but we're all getting ripped off. I'm Tom DiOri. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated. Together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you the review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed us in many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to Tech Talk. that's D-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send us an email questions with uh, questions on today's topic or anything else that we might be able to help you with. You can dial 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. If you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can use that email as Address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. We monitor that throughout the show, so you can send us email questions there. Either during the show or anytime, we'll get back to you. We'll try and get you on this show, and if we can't, uh, we'll put you on next week's show or send you an answer during the week. And if you have to listen to us live but you can't get to your radio, you can listen to us simulcast on the web if you go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again, or any of our previous shows, go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are archived. You can download them, listen to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. It's free. So please take advantage of that. And our first segment is our Week in Review. It's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Dan Dioria, Dave Brandon, and Jose Batista. The New York Times tells us, last year was a record-setting one for the state of New York and not in a good way. Public and private institutions in New York experienced more than 900 data breaches in 2013. That's according to a report released by the state attorney general. Those breaches exposed the personal and financial records of 7.3 million New Yorkers. The report, which showed the effects of data security intrusions on New Yorkers over the past eight years, said computer hackers were by far the leading cause of breaches accounting for nearly 40% of unauthorized data access during that time. In 2013 alone, the breaches cost the public and the private sectors more than $1.37 billion, that's what it would be, dollars. The report said losses were calculated by assuming that a data breach cost an affiliated 
company approximately $188 for each person whose data was compromised. Figure published uh, in a 2013 report by the security company Symantec and Ponymon Institute, which researches information security. In 2013 in New York, uh, were largely driven by two high-profile attacks. Uh, the report said the huge breach at Target in which millions of credit card numbers, addresses, and phone numbers were stolen, as well as uh, an attack on Living Social, a site for deals and discounts. PC World tells us that the Federal Communications web comments for, was crashed the morning and the hours before the agency's first deadline for submitting comments on net neutrality. Mm-hmm topic of our show today. So the FCC is extending that deadline, and we'll ask our guest about this uh, and what the implications are on you and how you can help uh, not crash it, but help uh, by sending your comments as well. The FCC's electronic comment filing system was generating an error message on the last day for first-round comments on the agency's proposed net neutrality rules, and we'll also uh, ask our guest about that. The FCC extended the first round deadline to the file comments five days due to problems with with the system. And uh, while the ECFS system was down, the FCC also has an email address at openinternet at fcc.gov for people to submit comments between uh, the web form and the email address. The agency had received 677,000 comments on net neutrality as the day before the deadline, making it one of the most commented proceedings in FCC history. The number of comments has grown since then. The proposed net neutrality rules Having set a comment record already with partial nudity still trumping Internet openness, the FCC received about 1.4 million comments related to singer Janet Jackson's so-called wardrobe malfunction on live television during the 2004 Super Bowl. Can you believe that? Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, 3D printers. Uh, Cranes tells us a 3D printing company, MakerBot, uh, one of the first uh, to get into this business is coming to a hardware store near you. The Brooklyn-based firm will be selling its printers at 12 Home Depot stores around the country, including two locations in the city at West 23rd Street as well as the Upper 3rd Avenue. The pilot program will offer the microwave-sized MakerBot replicator printers at a price of $28.99 for sale as well as a smaller replicator mini for $13.75. The Megabar printers have been available on Home Depot's website for about a month, and sales have exceeded expectations. The stores will put up specially designed kiosks where shoppers can see the machines in 3D in action. That's cool. Uh, trained Megabart retail staff will also be on site for the indefinite future in order to put the machines through their paces. MakerBot, which was acquired in a $403 million deal two years ago by Minnesota-based Stratasys, already sells in Microsoft stores across the country as well as Micro Center, not to mention its own store in Manhattan. Uh, They're optimistic about the possibility of expanding merchandise to Home Depots nationwide as 3D printing goes mainstream. That's going to be a pretty cool thing. Wall Street Journal, Mr. Zong lives in southern Chinese boomtown of Guangzhou, 
where he founded a business that makes energy-efficient equipment like water heaters for swimming pools. Tesla Motors delivers its first cars to customers in China and Beijing about 1,300 miles north. Tesla doesn't operate enough charging facilities between the cities to allow them to drive his car home. Undaunted, because they have about a 300-mile range, undaunted, Mr. Zong decided to build his own charging network. With the help of partners found online, he bought 20 charging pillars from Tesla for $800 each and put them in 16 cities along the way. A Tesla spokesman says the company is aware of and approves of Mr. Zong's ambitions. Mr. Zong's do-it-yourself approach illustrates a major challenge faced by Tesla and other electric car makers targeting China. This is pretty interesting. It gets 300 miles. He lives 1,300 miles. He's got to stop at least four or five times on his way home. Now, if these are the fast charges, I think they can do it in like 15 minutes. So that's still going to uh, add an hour to his commute besides the 1,300-mile trip. So that's going to be pretty interesting. I thought I had a problem with 30 miles. Chinese government wants 500,000 gasoline, electric, hybrid, and all-electric vehicles on its road by next year and 5 million by 2020 as part of its effort to improve air quality and reduce oil dependence. But only about 17,600 such vehicles were purchased in China last year, uh, and that's according to the China Association of Automobile Manufacturers. That includes 14,000-plus electric vehicles. About 18 million passenger cars were sold in the country last year, so that's a drop in the bucket. And the lack of infrastructure, they're saying, is one major reason. China had hoped to have 400,000 charging pillars for electric vehicles in place by next year, but workers behind schedule. State Grid Corp. of China, China's largest power generator by sales, has finished completion of 400 charging stations uh, as the end of 2013, according to the data from the company, 400 versus 400,000. You do the math. Okay. And uh, finally, Microsoft cuts 1,800 jobs as Nadella streamlines with the cloud. Bloomberg tells us that it's trying to slim down its software maker and restructuring amounts about 14% of its workforce, including 12,500 Nokia factory and professional positions, half the number of employees added in the acquisition. Keep an eye on that for you as well. We're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest. We're going to talk to you about net neutrality, what that means to you. And if you're not aware of it after the show today, it's going to make you a little nervous. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 20th of July, 2014, and we're going to be back with our guest, Michael Bremer, after the break. So please stay tuned. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DeRoy. It's the 20th of July, 2014. And as I promised you before the break, we're going to talk to you today about net neutrality, Uh, Comcast, uh, Netflix, AT&T, and Verizon, the battlegrounds. And our guest today is uh, Michael Bremer, and he's the CEO of TelecomQuotes.com and has been consulting for over 20 years with mid-sized and large businesses, improving their technology plans to keep them years ahead of their competitors. Uh, Michael has been called on for his 
expertise in this field by countless publications, including but not limited to Forbes Magazine, CNBC, FoxBusiness.com, and USA Today, as well as sitting on the esteemed Technology Channel Partners Advisory Board, which is a nationally recognized group of independent communications professionals, and now he's on IMI's Tech Talk. Michael, thanks for uh, taking the time to be with us. Thank you for having me. So let's start at the beginning here. Um, for listeners that uh, haven't been uh, paying attention, what is net neutrality? Net neutrality is a proposed set of rules that say all traffic on the Internet should be treated equally. And unfortunately, Comcast and AT&T and Verizon, they want to charge companies to prioritize certain traffic over other traffic so they can make more money on their Internet pipes. So that sounds like a uh, contradiction to neutrality if they're charging more for more. It, exa- it is a contradiction. And that's the, the big battleground is because their goal is, like any other business, is to maximize the return on their investments. So they believe that though they can't charge you and I more for Internet service, maybe they can charge Amazon more to deliver that service more quickly to you on your home phone or even your home computer or your, your cellular phone. This is something that I gather should be important to me. Is it going to affect my Internet experience, what I have right now? It affects your Internet experience every day, and here's how it does. Whenever you watch a YouTube video and it begins to stutter or you have to press pause so it can catch up, that's a direct result of the carriers not treating all traffic equally. It's called buffering. Well, what the carriers are doing is they're allowing their different network nodes around the country to become overwhelmed because they want YouTube and Netflix to pay them to prioritize their traffic over other traffic going across the Internet, such as email. So when you're watching television at night, for example, Netflix, and your stream all of a sudden goes from HD down to VHS quality, or it stops working altogether, that's how it affects you directly. You're paying for a service, you're paying for Internet connection, and yet Verizon wants Netflix to pay them more to deliver that same connection you're already paying for. I guess I need you to explain this to me a little bit more. Right now, I get from Verizon some level of service depending on how much I want to pay. So I can get, and maybe this has changed, but if I want uh, Vios, and maybe they're only delivering Vios, now I have to pay more money because it's faster. Or if I'm on um, my cable company, they have different speeds as well that they provide that they can provide me at an additional cost. Um, does this change that formula? Is all of that supposed to, on the net neutrality, supposed to be the same in cost? Yes and no. Because, unfortunately, people equate speed with service, and they're two different things. The amount of speed you pay for at your home is up to, and it's not guaranteed, meaning that you can have up to, say, 100 megabits per second. However, they're not guaranteeing that speed to you, and the server that you're getting your information from, for example, your Netflix stream, may not be able to serve out 100 megs per second at your maximum speed. The difference is that Verizon and AT&T and Comcast are purposely allowing the connections that serve Netflix and Amazon Video and YouTube purposely allowing them to become congested. So so Netflix has to pay them to uncongest those connections. 
Because those are the same connections you're already paying for. The reason why this is such a big deal is because Verizon, AT&T, and Comcast are also in the television business. And if you're watching Netflix, many people have gone Netflix and Hulu only, meaning they've stopped their monthly cable bill. So you're starting to see charges on your cable bill for a broadcast fee. And there are backdoor ways that the phone companies and cable companies are raising your prices to offset for all the people that have stopped using cable television and gone Netflix only. That makes sense. Good sense. There's been some FCC and some court litigation on this. What's, what's that about, and has that benefited the consumer or been detrimental? Unfortunately, there's a lot of fog in this area. And AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, all the big boys are spending millions of dollars to write the rules the way they want them written. Netflix is obviously spending the same amount of money on lobbyists to write the rules to keep the Internet freer. The irony of this is Google, several years ago, was a huge proponent of free Internet. But now that they're becoming a niche player in the Internet space, they are much less... uh, uh, they're much less. Uh, they're not pushing as hard as they were a few years ago for true neutrality, and so that's what all those battles are about. It's about who writes the rule. It's about who what the internet looks like in five years or ten years. For a quick example, Comcast is trying to purchase right now Time Warner Cable, and Comcast is is saying that well, this will increase choice. It'll help us reduce costs. What people don't realize is Comcast also owns Universal Studios. They also own Hulu. If you remember the movie James Bond, The World Is Not Enough, it's a very similar situation that you're starting to see these big players not only own the news networks, but own the movie movie houses and own the pipe in your home. If the Comcast merger of Time Warner Cable is approved, they will own one of of, of 50% of the Internet connections in America into the home. And that's why they're all spending so much money to control net neutrality. That's pretty uh, pretty scary, especially when you watch some of these Verizon commercials and uh, Time Warner's at the bottom of the customer surveys in terms of service that they provide. So not only are we going to pay more, but the service is going to get worse. Um, so let me go back to that, that question now. So who's looking out for us? The FCC had an order somewhere around 2010 that, you know, was supposed to help I gather recently, or maybe it wasn't too recent, you can uh, correct me, the court said they couldn't do that. Who's looking out for us? The FCC's job is to look out for us, but the problem is it's the old saying, he who has the gold makes the rules. The rules that came through in 2010 were full of loopholes, and quite frankly, the big carriers just ignored them anyway. And they specifically excluded wireless cellular services and medical services. You know, something else happened in 2010. Obamacare came through. I wonder why they excluded medical, because they want to be able to charge more for the service they charge now. The new rules that they're trying to impose, they'd like to do is classify AT&T and Verizon and Comcast as utilities, like the electric company or the water company. So then they have very specific rules, and AT&T and Verizon don't like that unless there's subsidies attached. Yeah, if you give me a billion dollars, you classify me anything you want. Sure. But... <laughs> If they exactly right, but those rules will come with a much fairer, much more consumer-friendly set of rules that would make life better for us. So basically, Netflix is looking out for you. 
it sounds like uh, from what Michael was saying that Netflix is the only one that's watching out for us. We'll get more Pretty on much. that when we come back. This is uh, IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 20th of July. Please stay tuned. We're going to have the national news now, and we'll be right back after that. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 20th of July, 2014, and we're talking about net neutrality or the lack thereof with our guest, Michael Bremer. And, uh, Michael, in the uh, intro, I mentioned that you're the CEO of TelecomQuotes.com. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what that is? Yes, we're a technology consulting firm that works with medium-sized and large businesses to more effectively use technologies that can focus on their business. We provide Internet connections phone systems, private networks, and cellular management for, for many businesses. Okay, and I gather the name of the company is how they can get in touch with you as well. It's, uh, is it www.telecomquotes.com? Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about what net neutrality is supposed to be and what it isn't. Maybe we can circle circle back to that. Does, does this whole attempt, or not attempt, but angle that these big companies are going at to make more money going to affect my uh, phones as well, my wireless phones as well, or is it strictly, um, you know, Internet and access to uh, to things that, it, that we get on the Internet, or is it the phone as well? Net neutrality is going to affect your cellular bill more than anything. And the reason why, there's actually a legitimate purpose behind that. There's only so much wireless spectrum available, and it's not something you can't dig up the ground and put more wireless spectrum in. It's just it, there is what it is, and until someone finds a way to use it more efficiently, it's going to be a limited supply. So AT&T, Verizon, even Dish Network have bought up huge swaths of, internet, of a wireless spectrum to control it, and so since wireless is also very convenient and obviously the way everything is going, the net neutrality rules were written specifically to exclude wireless. So basically, this is why when you have your monthly cell phone service, you have X amount of data included in it, and they charge you more if you go over that. And that's where AT&T and Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint really see the growth. Because today's children, you know, ages 8 on up, They've never had a landline. They'll have an iPhone for their 10th birthday, and they're going to have that the rest of their life. And guess who happens to control all the Internet services for that? The big companies. Now, was uh, net neutrality supposed to provide some protection there as well? If the rules are written so they cover both wireless and wired services, yes. But currently, the way the rules are written, they specifically exclude wireless and cellular services. All right, so let's talk about the rules a little bit more. You mentioned that uh, in the last segment a little bit we were talking about the FCC and the court rulings, and you had said that the rules that the FCC wrote were full of holes. Is somebody working on that now? Is there a, a group, an association or something uh, looking out for us and trying to write legislation that's correct? There's the Internet Freedom Foundation that is trying to do that. 
unfortunately, they're not as well well funded as AT and T, Verizon, Comcast, and the others that are actually writing the rules. Um, obviously, Netflix is spending ridiculous amounts of money to do that, but it, it's basically coming down to the government doing their job that they've been elected and paid to do. And the FCC's job is to make sure communications is available to every American. This is why people in Dubuque, Iowa, have fiber, compared and just like people in Los Angeles have fiber, because the FCC mandated that. This all goes back to the 1934 Communications Act, where the government decided it owned all communications and it would rule over that. Well, as time has gone on and, and these companies have grown bigger, their influence in Capitol Hill has grown more. And so the problem is we're literally have a situation of David versus Goliath. So it sounds bleak. I want to <laughs> ask you some more uh, nitty-gritty questions, but I guess I'll ask you what I would ask you normally at the end. Um, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Is you know how are we how are we the internet user going to come up against these big companies? Well, the good thing is this information has been put out far and wide, and recently FCC's website has crashed this week several times with comments on the on the net neutrality rules. Uh, it's very similar to SOPA. Uh, something Congress tried to pass a few years ago that would really have censored our ability to for free speech on the internet, and I think that that's where this is going to end up going. Is it's going to be a free speech issue? Because whether I say it on the internet or I say it aloud in the middle of the public square, square, it's still free speech, and I think that's where it's going to become less bleak. At the end of the day, Verizon and AT and T are for profit for their shareholders. And it's not like any other negotiation. You're not going to get everything you want, but I believe it's going to come down to a Supreme Court ruling and a free speech issue. So it's not quite as bleak as it may sound, but yes, there are formidable opponents. So until then, um, it sounds like it's basically a free-for-all and these companies can do whatever they want. Um, I think... You mentioned something about this before, but maybe you can expand on it. Um, how's this going to affect access to websites? Are they going to be able to block our access or significantly slow it down if we don't pay a premium until some legislation is done? I mean, how's how's that all going to appear to us as the regular user? They won't specifically block websites unless they're doing something illegal. But they can reduce the amount of bandwidth allowed to that website to the point it becomes unusable. For example, Netflix's biggest push right now is in streaming. In fact, they just recently stopped delivering DVDs on Saturday because it's not a profitable business. So they're trying to grow their streaming business, and that's why Netflix is fighting so hard for this. But the thing is, if I want to watch a movie and I want to watch it in high definition, then I have Netflix and my Internet provider, Verizon, keeps squeezing the stream that I get so it goes down to VHS quality, how long is it going to be before I call Netflix and complain? And then how long is it going to be before I cancel Netflix and just get pay-per-view from Verizon that works perfectly? Not very long. And that's just a Sounds like an antitrust here. thing to me. Yes. It's very similar to the situation we're going through right now with the banks and the whole financial crisis of 2008. Finally, what, six, seven, eight years later, uh, we're beginning to see some some justice laid out, and and it's going to be the same type of situation. But as we know, the the wheels of the government grind slow, but they grind fine. We have enough visibility on this issue 
with the FCC website crashing from the comments on there, uh, an election year. There's a lot of visibility on this issue, and people are making their voices heard. That's the one thing Congress does fear, is being voted out of office. And people are being very clear on they, look, I pay for Internet, and if I want to use Netflix, it should work all the time. Yes, and it, 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 we've, we've heard the phrase metered bandwidth, and is that what you were talking about in terms of squeezing the uh, bandwidth that uh, Netflix has access to? That's another way that the, the big Internet providers want to maximize their return. I have to cut you off. I'm sorry. I asked you a question that I didn't have time for you to answer. So hold that thought, and when we come back from the break, you can tell us about metered bandwidth. This is Tom DiOrio. We're talking to Michael Bremer about net neutrality or the lack thereof. It's IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. We're talking to Michael Bremer about net neutrality. Uh, this is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. On July 20th, 2014, and before the break, I was asking Michael about metered bandwidth, and I asked him the question and didn't allow him to answer it. So tell us what that's all about. Metered bandwidth is the latest way that the big internet providers intend to maximize their investment. Back in 2005, the former CEO of AT&T, Ed Whitaker, told the world, you're not going to ride my pipes for free. And that was what started the whole net neutrality debate and metered bandwidth. What metered bandwidth says is that you can use X amount of service a month, and then above that, you have to pay. Because internet access is the only utility that you can use unlimited for one low price. Well, the problem is that the carriers, the AT&T and Verizon, used to sell long distance and used to bill you per minute. And it drives them crazy that they can't bill you per byte. So they've introduced bandwidth caps. So if they feel you're using too much Internet, oops, your Internet bill went from $29 to $100 because you used too much. This really has become important because of Internet video, specifically Netflix. As I mentioned earlier, people began canceling their home cable services and you're going Netflix only because instead of paying $100 a month for cable television, I could pay $8 a month and have unlimited videos with Netflix. Well, that doesn't take very long until it starts to hurt the bottom line. So to combat that, they introduce metered bandwidth. The same thing with your cell phone. And that's why you'll get text messages when you start getting over your bandwidth on your cell phone because they want to charge more because they can. So it sounds like, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, they're going to be, uh, I guess the term is beating us up. That's, that's, uh, scary. I mean, is it, do you see this, and I don't want to put scare tactics into this, but it's just as unbounded what they can do, what they can charge, how they can go about, you know, making as much buck for their stockholders as they can at our expense? That's exactly why Time Warner or cable, uh, excuse me, Comcast wants to buy Time Warner because it is unbounded. Anytime you have less competition in a marketplace, prices go up, quality goes down. 
Yep, that's scary. Is this going to affect public hotspots? We see those uh, commercials all the time about uh, free Internet. Is that going to stay free? It won't stay free at like Starbucks because they're going to be constrained by the same metered bandwidth that you and I are constrained by. If you have service that includes a public hotspot, say, for example, you've got Comcast and they include Wi-Fi hotspots across the city, anytime you use that Wi-Fi hotspot, it's going to count against your cap at your home or your business also. Did you have hmm. to log into it say track that? That's interesting. Are there any privacy issues about that fall into this whole thing? Our privacy has been gone for a long time. And you can use, there are, there are services out there that you can use to surf the Internet uh, anonymously, supposedly. Um, but quite frankly, if you're using a public hotspot, you should be using something to secure your own connection because you're sharing that interaction with whoever's around you. And more than likely, you're, you're going to be fine, but you never know who's sitting next to you. That's true. Uh, we mentioned that uh, telecomquotes.com helps uh, medium and large-sized businesses. What do you advise them? What's the impact on them? I mean, is it just, you know, their costs are going to go up, or is there uh, something else that they should be looking at or worried about? Well, we've all seen the push towards the cloud, right? Right. And what's going to happen and what the goal is, the bigger goal, is to take your information. The information is what's valuable, right? Take your information out of your premise, move it off-premise somewhere else. And once you have it somewhere else, it's kind of like the bank. You put your money in the bank, and they gave you free checking at first. But all of a sudden, free checking went away, and you got a monthly fee for that checking. If you wrote too many checks, you got charged for it. It's going to be the same thing. So what we tell, we're telling our customers is to be wise about what they put in the cloud and have a plan to be able to move it to a different provider or be able to unscramble the egg if it's not what they expect. Because what's going to happen is the transport fees are going to increase their costs. They are not currently doing that to large businesses, but it is coming. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, uh, they're going to need somebody like your organization to to steer us in the right direction to be prepared for whatever's coming down the pike because I don't see this until some type of intelligent legislation is passed or rules are put into place. Um, we're just we're just at their uh, mercy. I've, I've got here a uh, question that my producer gave me, and I'm not sure what it means, but what's the Internet of Things? That's the future. So we've all seen the Jetsons, Rosie the Robot. We've seen all the different science, fi science fiction movies out there. The Internet of Things is, for example, your refrigerator is connected to the Internet, and your refrigerator knows you're, you're running low on milk. So it automatically orders a new gallon of milk from Amazon, which is delivered to your front door. Hmm. Or your house knows that you're driving home at 4.30 today, so it turns the air conditioner on and, re and, and cools the house down, so you walk in, it's a beautiful 72 degrees. These are all the Internet things. And the problem is everything costs something. Everything weighs something. All that's going to take bandwidth, which is going to end up being metered, and you're going to pay more for it. But we always pay more for convenience, right? This is interesting. I mean, you know, we think the Internet is free, and maybe you don't pay that much attention to your phone bills or your whoever your provider is, you know, your cable company, because you're watching television as well as even though when they started cable, the whole point was you're paying extra money because you aren't going to get commercials. And that was the whole premise of cable TV as opposed to, 
you know, rabbit ear TV, but you get more commercials on cable now than you do in in regular television. So should we start paying attention to our bills and cut back on what we're using? I mean, what do you advise as to what we could do now? And And you mentioned also that the FCC website went down because people were complaining and, you know, uh, sending emails to them and, I guess, to their congresspeople. Um, how do you do that? So what do you advise us to do? How do we make it better for ourselves? The first thing I advise you to do is go through your cable television bill with a fine-tooth comb and eliminate anything that you're paying for that you're not using. For example, if you're watching H, if you paying for HBO or Showtime, eliminate that. Get a seven ninety nine a month Netflix account. Most televisions have Netflix already built in now. The second thing is, do you still need a home phone? If you don't, eliminate that. Use your cell phone. And the third thing is, don't be afraid to shop your services in your home. For example, I recently changed my home from Verizon BIOS Television to Dish Network. I saved a few bucks but I got a lot better technology out of it. And we're much happier with the actual dish product. I haven't, I never had satellite before, and I was amazed at the, at the difference. So, you had even, so even I need to take a look at things. Finally, make sure that your home wireless router is truly secure. Probably not a bad idea to change your wireless password, password and wireless network name. And uh, just watch what, how you're using it and what you're doing, and you should be fine. But yes, you're going to shortly be paying more. It's just kind of, unfortunately, it's the way things are going. And how do I get in touch with the FCC to put my two cents in? www.fcc.gov? FCC.gov, yep. Great. And one more time, how do our listeners get in touch with you if they want to follow up? Telecomquotes.com. Michael, thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. It was a very informative show, and I appreciate uh, your being here. Thank you for having me. Next week, we're going to be live from our New York offices, and uh, we're going to have a week in review. And our guest is going to be discussing business file sharing, the legal kind. Hmm. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's President, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for the week in review. Taylor Redden's our producer, Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And without Robert Bombach and the KFNX AM 1100 production department, not a word we said would you hear. Thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. And remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening.